Down to business. Sponsored by Flowgas. Electricity from Flowgas. Powering Irish enterprise. Talk to us today, wherever you are. This is News Talk. Now, welcome back to the second hour down to business. Bobby here with you for the next hour till 12 o'clock. Uh, this is the show that, as always, talks to the most interesting people in Irish business. You can text us here at the station, 53106. It'll only cost you 30 cents. Low call us, 1-894-53106. Or email me at downtobusiness at newstalk.com. I'm also open on Twitter at Bobby Kerr. Please use the hashtag BobbyMeansBiz. Still to come in this next hour, very shortly I'm going to be speaking to three chocolate makers about the Easter madness. Can't wait for that. I see they've come adorned with lots of chocolate as well. Oh, I'm happy. In our executive chair, we'll be speaking to the CEO of the PM Group about their massive projects in over 50 different countries and a new book about change by a man who actually knows what he's talking about. So... I uh, just wanted to tell you before I start that uh, we w- we are going uh, with our next winning back to High Street. It's from the Imperial Hotel in Dundalk and it's on the 14th of April. And I'll give you some more details next week. So I'm looking forward to that. Heading up to Dundalk, all the lovely people up there in the Imperial Hotel will have some fun. Okay, the Easter season is nearly upon us, which means the season of indulgence is upon us. And it's time to stock up on all those sweet treats we try so hard to avoid for the rest of the year. We are, of course, talking about the industry of chocolate. And joining me with some seasonal treats are Mary Healy. She's a director and co-owner of the Chocolate Garden. Dennis Dunahoo, commercial director at Lear Chocolates. And Colm Healy, managing director of Skellig Chocolate Factory down there in Kerry. You're all very welcome to the programme. Mary, we'll start with you. You've been on with us here before and it's lovely to see you again. Thank you for all the wonderful <coughs> goodies that I just are, are sitting here between you and I. Hopefully I won't be... Uh, stuffing my face as we as we talk away here. But listen, firstly, tell us about your business, the Chocolate Garden. Okay, Jim and myself started uh, the business in two thousand and one. Uh, it has evolved hugely since then because we, in fact, started making biscuits and waffles. Uh, was it waffles? That? That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we discovered that in the area of gift items, that the chocolates actually moved much quicker than biscuits as a gift. So we got big time into chocolate making and uh, then later into ice cream. But we also, we have a visitor experience on site down close to Tullow. Uh, so people can come and make their own chocolate Easter egg or bunny. Wow. And uh, we do personalised eggs. We still focus very much on quality, handcrafted, um, custom designed, you know, Easter eggs. And um, they're available in speciality food shops. Okay. Nationwide. Well, you're very welcome. And we'll talk more about the, the detail of the business in a minute. Let's introduce our second guest. He's Dennis. Donahue, he's the commercial director of Lear Chocolates. Dennis, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. Now, I interviewed uh, uh, some of your founders. Uh, Connie. Connie, yeah, who I know for many years. Um, uh, tell us about Lear Chocolates. It's been around since... Well, th- 31 years. 31 years, well, okay. 30, well, 32 years now at this stage. And it was 1986 the company was founded by Connie, as you said. Connie Doody. And, and Mary White. And, and Mary White, yeah. yeah. Um, sort of started in Connie's kitchen, moved to a premises in um, Eastwall, and then moved out to where we are today, which is that we have a factory in, in Navan. Um, built a very strong business over the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years with um, private label, making private label chocolates for primarily for the UK market. Um, and But we've always had our, our Lear brand as well, and then we make chocolate under licence for Diageo, for Baileys and, and Guinness. So we make okay. those chocolates as well. So over the last couple of years, um, we've obviously with, you know, the arrival of Brexit and, the, and the, the, the potential problems down the road in the UK, 
we've been looking very much to develop our own brand, so pushing the Lear brand, which we relaunched just before Christmas, and I think that was the the, the time you were talking to Connie. Um, so we're very much looking to push our brand, our own brand, okay. and our brands generally, and then to look at developing outside the UK. So interesting that you know <clears throat> two areas: private label number one, which is always. It's always dangerous, I suppose. It can be good, but it can also be bad yeah. when it when the tap gets turned off. But secondly, your exposure in the UK market. Uh, so clearly, you're 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 taking steps to to address the balance. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're very welcome, and we'll talk Thanks, more buddy. about the chocolates in a minute. <coughs> Let me introduce you to my third guest. Uh, he's Colm Healy. He's the managing director of Skelly Chocolate Factory down in the beautiful part of the world. How are you, Colm? You're very welcome. Very well, Bobby. Thank you very much. Tell us about your business first, and then we'll get into the minute of chocolate. I suppose we're very fortunate. We would really classify ourselves as a, a food tourism business. We're on the Wild Atlantic Way, and we overlook Skellig Michael. Oh. So from a perspective, a lot of people say we're in a very remote rural area. To us, it's the centre of the universe. I mean, we're very fortunate. Last year, we probably had about 70,000 visitors. Wow. So the Wild Atlantic Way has delivered for us. We're an open plan chocolate factory. So you literally come in, you see the products being made, you taste them fresh. And after that, it's up to you whether you want to buy or not. And from our perspective, it really gives confidence in the consumer. So your visitor centre, as you call it, is pretty much a working chocolate factory. Oh, absolutely. So it's a 100% working <coughs> chocolate factory. Right. Okay. So, so that, and clearly, are there issues around that, around bringing the public into an area of, of, of food production? Or is, there is, there is if you don't do it right. Mm. I mean, we're obviously inspected, not just by the health board, but in the past we've done work with some of the major multiples. They've all come down, inspected it, and fully passed us. So it's not an issue. The biggest one for us is people say, why are they not wearing gloves? And we would always reply, well, you don't wear gloves when you're baking at home. We wash rigorous, rigor, rigorously and we make sure everything is spotless clean. It really helps us keep us on our game because if you can see it, we have a problem. It's like the open kitchen. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's good to have all three of you here. Mary, can I ask you about the Easter business? How significant is that in, in, in your world? Um, or is it... Is, is, it, is, is, it, is, it is absolutely. Um, in terms of direct selling and uh, like the, the few weeks before Easter are very, very busy. So it's a huge season, one of two major seasons in the chocolate business, uh, Christmas for us would be bigger because everything, everything is literally flat out the door, busy because we're in a gift market. Um, whereas Easter, it's Easter eggs. It's all about Easter eggs, whereas the chocolates would be less busy. Is how important, and you've, you've brought in a wonderful Easter egg, um, the, the packaging of the egg, uh, Mary, is... It's almost as important, I'd suggest, of what's inside it. It is absolutely uh, as a gift item. When you buy something for a gift, you want it to be impressive. You want it to look good. You want it to look the money you've spent on it. Uh, however, there are issues there as well moving forward with plastics and people becoming more environmentally aware and conscious of plastic in use. So we try to use like recyclable materials. Um, we're moving towards, say, card inside chocolate boxes as opposed to plastic trays. Uh, but again, you're trying to find a balance between it being looking impressive uh, and it being environmentally okay. friendly. Okay, there's loads of text coming in. And again, I love when people like uh, to find out about what the industry we're talking about. We are talking chocolate. And um, the first text says, uh, can you get vegan white chocolate? That's from Jenny. Anybody know that? Vegan white chocolate? Uh, by its nature, it has milk. Right. So you can, I suppose, use rice milk or different 
so you know, I think rice milk powder exists. We don't actually make it. So difficult enough to get. It, it, it would be out there somewhere, but we don't make it. Sorry. Um, and another texter says, Bobby, if you need a home for all that chocolate in the studio, can you please forward them to me as my body is a temple to good quality chocolate? And that comes in from Catherine. Sorry, Catherine, I'm going to eat all the eggs. Um, Dennis, um, let, let me talk to you about about uh, the manufacturing process. Yeah. Uh, Chocolate as a raw material, does it? Do you import it in bulk from Belgium or somewhere? Or yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we 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 we'd have a number of different chocolates that we would use. Some of it would be Belgian, some of it sort of single origin chocolate from more sort of exotic locations. Um, but we do. I mean, we 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 import a, a whole range of different chocolates. And would that be transferred in its liquid state, or how yes. does that generally? So, so it's kept yeah. at a temperature then. Oh, I mean, the, the the biggest challenge in chocolate. I mean, anybody, any of the guys will tell you. The biggest challenge when you're working in chocolate is temperature. Yeah. It's tempering the chocolate to make sure that the chocolate is stable, to get, make sure that balance between sort of the cocoa and the cocoa fats and the milk and all of that is, is, is And is then balanced. the glaze is affected by it as well, isn't it? The shine. The glaze, the snap of the chocolate, everything is affected by how you temper the chocolate. And then once the chocolate is made, obviously it needs to be kept in an extremely temperature controlled environment. Otherwise you get... You get, you know, that little white film that you get yeah, on, yeah. on chocolate. That's from temperature abuse, either from the chocolate being exposed to too cold temperatures, too warm temperatures. But I mean, the biggest challenge I think that anybody working in chocolate faces is is, is maintaining that control of temperature okay. at all stages through the manufacturing and storage process. It's, uh, uh, Colin, what about the use of moulds? Uh, again, we see chocolates in lovely shapes and sizes. What's the process around uh, around building the moulds? Are they well, following on from what Dennis has said, like the key is always the tempering. Right. So once you have really good, well-tempered chocolate, the mould then, we would use a heavy-duty polycarbonate mould. It's reusable. It's not like a brittle plastic. And that en- enables you basically to create any shape. It's not cheap to develop them. I mean, you're talking about a basic €2,000 to get the tooling. After that, then, you'll mass-produce your moulds at a reasonable price but it really gives you an opportunity to make something unusual and different. And we're noticing from a corporate perspective, there's a lot of people looking for custom items out there now. So people want to set themselves apart from everybody else. And what kind of things would people look for that would be... Awards. Okay, so so, so, so you're, you're basically making chocolate trophies or something? Correct. And, uh, emulating an <coughs> Emmy or a radio award or something like that. Um, vehicles, like we've had requests for cars, bikes, helicopters, planes for the IAA. So whatever your industry is, somebody will want something that when you see it, you identify exactly with that industry. Mary, I'm... I'm, uh, I'm Marauding through a, a lovely <laughs> box of chocolates here in front of me, just I'm looking at the at the shine on the on the chocolate. How do you, how do you how do you get that beautiful glaze? Well, again, um, you keep your moulds well. You the moulds, the temperature of the moulds is a factor as well as the temperature of the chocolate, and then how they're cooled afterwards after you put the chocolate in. So all these factors have uh, have a part to play in the final product and how how good it looks. Um, a texture called Joan says, um, "What happens to Easter eggs uh, that aren't sold? Do they get re? Do they get melted down, or what, what would generally well, happen?" Ours are all sold, of course. There you go, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we have some in production that haven't been packaged or weren't required, yes, of course they can be melted back in the tank. If it's not contaminated with any kind of decoration, yeah, you can put it back in the tank. The uh, fact you can that break you... them up and sell them as brittle mm. in bags. The fact uh, that you can actually. Uh, Remold or remelt? Yeah. Does that is that 
does that mean that it's a it's a very efficient product in terms of that there isn't a lot of waste? Well, you, yes, yes and no, because you have to count that the fact that there was labour gone into that in the yeah. first place. So, yes, you don't have as much waste perhaps as other but industries. But the raw material cost is the only yeah, saving. Yeah, but you do need to be mindful and try and manage your, your stock levels well. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Dennis, can I ask you about um, the own label market? Yeah. Um, what percentage or, or even approximately... What percentage of that business of 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 it would 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 your business represent? It would be the majority of it. Probably. Okay, it would be you know it would be sixty percent anyway. Okay, and how does it work then when you when you operate for somebody like Bailey's? Uh, are you effectively a licensee or a franchisee? We're, or? A, we're a licensee of Diageo. Yes, right. so we we would make chocolate under license from Diageo for Bailey's and for Guinness. Um, it, it's we manage the business, we develop the products. We we would then submit them to Diageo for their approval. They'd sign them off, and then we go off and 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 we make them and and we sell them. And when you look at a, a strong brand uh, like Guinness or Bailey's, in terms of when you put the chocolate piece with that, does it? Do, is it is it is it is it an easy sale? Is it is it is it a very popular line? It it is. I mean, particularly Bailey's because obviously yeah. there's, there's there's a fairly natural fit between Bailey's and chocolate. Yeah. Um. So that that works well. Um. And and you know we're we're, we're fortunate that Bailey's and Guinness are you know obviously two iconic Irish brands, very well known internationally, and every and, and particularly Bailey's would be a very much a loved brand. A very, very loyal consumer base, and and it works well with chocolate. I have a Bailey's Easter egg for you there, Bobby. Afterwards, so you can oh, you can, God, you it's can sample better. it yourself. It's getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> Another text in says, "Is there any chocolate my poor son could have, even though he's allergic? To, it's hard at Easter." That's from Pauline. So, somebody who's allergic to chocolate. I'd like to know what aspect of the chocolate he's allergic to. Is right. it the cocoa? Is it dairy? Is it lactose? Okay, well, Pauline might come back and tell us protein. that. Okay, but I have a different slant on that. I'd love to offer him a job because he's the only one I could be sure wouldn't need the product. (laughs) Speaking of that, Colm, in relation to getting staff, uh, you you said it earlier, you're in a a fairly remote part of the world, albeit a beautiful part of the world. Uh, In terms of skilled labour, is it is it easy for you to, 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 to get people to work for you? It's it's a mixed bag where we're in a remote area. There isn't the same access to talent as there would be in big urban areas. The positive for us is those who are there are very keen to stay there. They love the rural setting and we really find there's very low staff turnover. Right. So once we have somebody in, we treat them right. Um, I'm, I'm blessed that I have a fantastic team around me. And from our perspective, we can, if once you've got an attitude to do something, we can train you up. So, we're keen to have people come to rural Ireland, settle there, see it as another way of life, and we'll make sure that it's work for you. Okay. Uh, Mary, you, 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 your business has evolved over the years, uh, and I know you started off in Balting Glass, isn't That's that right. right? Yes. But I have a big question for you. I'm, are you still in County Wicklow or are you now in Carlow? Well, we've a bit Tull of an identity crisis. I know. We have a real identity crisis. We're actually in a townland called Rath, which is southwest. Wicklow. <laughs> right. And we have the postal address, Tolo County Carlo. So we have to live with that and figure it and the hybrid and of actually uh, our ice cream brand to throw further fuel on the fire is Tipperary ice cream. No way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and in terms of the business and you've you've moved, as you say, you started off 
with these wonderful uh, Belgian wa- waffles that you still make. Yes. Um, did you just find that there wasn't enough market for them to sustain the business on its uh, own? We still, we still, you know, supply those. Um, we just felt as a gift item, you like we in a shop you supply them six times a year with chocolates, kind of your typical deli type shop. Whereas they order the waffles maybe four times a year. Okay. So the writing was plain to see for us to move forward with and grow with chocolate more so. And in terms of capacity now in in your in your in your factory in Tullow, uh, it's it's significantly bigger than what you had it is, in Bosinglass. Yeah, glass. yeah. yeah. Uh, have you outgrown that yet, or are you, um, are you approaching we, capacity? There, there would be times when we could use more space for ingredients and product going out. Say if you're doing a big contract for somebody, but uh, it, we try and manage that. Say we did a big contract in January and we were able to use the space right. uh, in the workshop area. Say because the workshop and the shop were closed for January. Dennis, where is the consumer going here with chocolate? Uh, what What are you seeing as trends in the industry? What are you seeing that's different now, maybe to five years ago? Do you see that things like, I suppose. Uh, vegans and whatever else are, are coming to the fore. Yeah, I think, I mean, all those considerations, and I think Mary alluded to it earlier, the packaging considerations. So I think there is a, very much a, 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 a desire from retailers and from consumers to see less packaging. Yeah. And, and I think that's a concern. I think you've had a text in about, you know, can I get vegan chocolate? And I think all of those questions about vegans and allergy and their genuine emerging trends and we're seeing that more and more and more okay and then i think the other thing as well certainly what we've seen this year is is a return to more um i mean you were talking earlier about the molds and the fabulous shapes and the colors and the designs certainly what we've seen this year is a return to more chocolate um and less fantastic colors and less fantastic decorations and things that look more like chocolate and that are more you know standard flavors sort of pralines hazelnuts and salted caramel and so the, the more generic chocolate flavour palette and a little bit less of the, you know, the salted chilli and the, and the avocado. Interesting. But it's, uh, Last word to you, Colm, um, in terms of trends going forward. Uh, and again, Dennis outlined it pretty eloquently there. What about the milk versus dark versus white? Uh, it, does that ch- mix change much? Absolutely. I think it's, it's an evolution of wine. People started off drinking white wine and then when they became more sophisticated they went to red wine and with chocolate Ireland, Europe's traditionally very sweet tooth from the milk and we're becoming more educated about chocolate and moving to darker chocolate. Right. We're definitely seeing a shift to darker chocolate. Okay, well it's, uh, it's an interesting business. Um, it's a business that, that, that you're great, all great, all three are great ambassadors for. I'd like to thank my guests, Mary Healy, director and co-owner of the Chocolate Garden, Dennis Donahue, commercial director at Lear Chocolates, and Colm Healy, managing director of the Skellig Chocolate Factory. Good luck to you all for Easter, and I hope you sell loads of eggs and loads of chocolate. Loads more to come. Stay tuned. Down to Business on News Talk. Sponsored by Flowgas. Talk to us today and start saving in your business electricity bill, wherever you are.